Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, this for my dogs from the east to the west side. Rocket brown and orange with me, baby. Let's ride. Represent the land, let them know. Tell them, here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. And we are back, everybody, for an off-season edition of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. I'm Allie Heisong, coming at you live, as always, from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Join with me out in Boise, Idaho. We got Dustin. Dustin, how are we doing? Allie, I'm cold. You're and I know cold? That's not, yeah, I was going to say, that's something you're probably not uh, having to deal with in the dirty Myrtle, but uh, I think it's like 22 degrees outside. They teased us with 50-degree weather, and then it got cold again. Um, as you know, the nations had this kind of weird kind of weather going on all over the country. Um, no snow, but just cold, which I think is just, I don't like cold. Now I've decided I've just, I'm done with it. I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for free agency. I'm ready to talk about football. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just done with it. So Well, isn't it crazy to think that that's honest to God right around the corner, Dustin? Free agency will be here before we know it. Oh, it's knocking on the door. So is the NFL draft. Um, you know, these things go by quickly. We're already in the offseason. It's it's crazy to think that what seemed like a very long season, just in terms of injuries and things not going the way that we wanted it to as Browns fans, it went by. It took forever to go by. But then looking mm-hmm. back on it, it went so quickly. Here we are again, once again, without football. Well, and I think, the, and I think the Super Bowl – was a week later this year, wasn't it? It seemed like it was even later than it normally is. Um, okay, yeah, because of the 17 game season. Yeah, so it was right. it was a week later. So I'm assuming at some point the Super Bowl will be in March, and the NFL will just be a 24 seven juggernaut of a thing that everybody can just watch, and then they'll, they'll just you know they'll just make it to where you know it just never really ends. It's just you know this big thing that just keeps going all the time. Hey, anything is possible, but we've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Um, we are going to go back to last week. We, we started our wide receiver breakdown. Um, over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to go position by position and just take a look into each position group as it's currently constructed, everybody who's under contract, expectations for each player, whether or not we believe they'll be back or not. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to finish the receiver conversation uh, then we'll take a look at the defensive line tonight, Dustin. Uh, before we do so, we want to give a shout out to everybody tuning in tonight. Thanks for doing so. Go ahead and hit the like, follow, share button, all that fun stuff. Be sure to comment and interact with us live on the program. Um, and of course, we want to thank our sponsors as it's running below. Uh, but Dustin, I think the biggest news right now out of Cleveland is the Jarvis Landry on Twitter situation uh, that came to light. I believe it was yesterday. Um, I, Here's the thing. I, I'm not entirely surprised at what he was saying. I was just surprised to see him take that approach. What are your thoughts? Well, he's a class act, right? I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. He's changed the culture in Cleveland. I think he just kind of laid it out there like, hey, I'm a Cleveland guy. I'm a work ethic kind of guy. You know, I worked through injuries. I did my thing. And I still want to be here. So it's kind of up to Cleveland if they want me to be here. Right. So I think it was kind of I had no problem with it. Actually, he was pretty straightforward. He just you know, he, he is who he is. He's uh, he's very comfortable in his approach. It's just interesting. He went from 
no conversation with people to all of a sudden putting it all out there like here here it is and then he even said you know i didn't do my media availability because um, i was focusing on my injury and all that stuff and trying to get back to 100 so you know he's a class act so i have the utmost respect for him yeah as you know ali we went through years of losing and losing and losing and we became just a uh, check cashing NFL football team. If you wanted to make money, you came to Cleveland, they gave you a paycheck. And then when you were tired of playing here, you just went to another team. He changed the culture, right? Like I, I will be forever indebted for him for changing the culture in Cleveland and how he's changed that script. Um, so if this is his last year or was last year, uh, I will forever be grateful for what he did. If he's able to come back, that's great because I do think he's a great locker room guy, and I think he can gel those younger guys and really uh, help on their maturity in the NFL. No, I certainly agree, and I, I would totally co-sign what you just said. I think he is the ultimate Cleveland Brown. He was everything that you wanted him to be. He was worth every penny, um, albeit a lot of money, uh, to bring Jarvis Landry here. We're seeing that now towards the back end of his contract. Uh, but, you know, Dustin, he's everything that you wanted a Cleveland Brown to be. He helped change the culture uh, at the time when we were 1-15, 0-16. Oh, mm-hmm. The bar was so low that we would take anybody that could do anything. Right. And he elevated that um, and really set the standard. Now, it's no surprise that last year did not go the way that anybody thought it would go, especially right. probably somebody like Jarvis Landry, who holds himself to a very high standard. Um, and, and I don't think... I don't think it's crazy to say that his time with the Cleveland Browns has kind of been hectic. He's gone through several head coaches, a couple of regime changes. Um, it's not probably been a very comfortable stay for Jarvis Landry, uh, but he's kind of taken the bull by the horns. Uh, he's embraced the suck, as Porter Gustin mentioned, that that's Kevin Stefanski's mm-hmm. quote, um, and he was everything that you wanted him to be. Now, I'm of the belief that I would – Welcome Jarvis Landry back with open arms, um, but just taking a look at his contract situation, it's not pretty. I mean, point blank period. It's it's just not. Um, if he plays out this year, he holds a $16.379 million cap hit, which is 7.5% of the Browns cap. Um, mm-hmm. If they do decide to move on from Jarvis, they'll carry a $1.5 million dead cap and save a four. 14.879 against the cap. So as we mentioned last week, there is incentive for the Browns to move on. Uh, you're saving a lot of money in doing so. Um, and I'm sure Jarvis doesn't want to restructure his contract. Uh, I'm sure that's probably the basis to some of these tweets. Um, but he went out publicly and said, hey, I want to be a Cleveland Brown. It is up to the organization whether or not they want me. So I think that does take some guts to go out and say something like yeah. that. Uh, but look, I... I love the guy um, no matter what happens. Of course, we want him here. We want him to be his best self. But uh, I think this this past season was tough on everybody. Well, and yeah, if you look at, you know, just when he came in, um, A, he wanted to be here, right? And B, he embraced the organization and rose everybody around him to a higher level, right? And the idea that he just didn't put up with the same old norm and wasn't going to stand for that, like, you know, I, I think we all know from that, seen in hard knocks where he's like no i'm hurt too guys so you know what i don't care right like i'm hurt i'm going out there and playing so you're going to play too and you're going to play at a higher level um you know even if this is just my gut even if they bring him back on the one-year deal i think he's worth every penny of it because money can't sometimes give you the maturity and the calmness that you need in a locker room to keep it together and he's one of those guys that i think 
a Donovan Peoples Jones and some of these other guys kind of latch onto and stay next to them and make them a better player, right? And make them a better teammate. So that, you know, if it's restructured or not, I think he's well worth uh, bringing him back, even if it is, like you said, that 7% hit to the, to the salary cap. Right. And I think his intangibles are just as valuable, maybe even more than his on-field ability. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, as we said last week, you have to go out and be able to perform. Um, he is getting a little bit older, as we all do. right? <laughs> um, but he is battling through some injuries right now. And that has to be some cause for concern if you're Cleveland. Um, I can see both sides to this, Dustin. Sure. And I think as long as um, Andrew Barry isn't going out and paying guys a, a, an insane amount of money that's going to harm the organization, uh, I think it's it's worth you know, taking a look at Jarvis Landry. And of course, I, I don't know. I see both sides to it. If, if they can bring him back on a, on a deal. Awesome. Um, if they do, do decide to move on, I can see why they would do that as well. Right. Uh, but here I want him in Cleveland. I love the guy, but uh, that's kind of the situation right now. Uh, so if we see any news on that front, I'm sure we will be one of the first to let you know. So make sure you're following us. Please make sure you're following us. Um, but, you know, Dustin, I think you're right. It, it's a locker room presence type of, of thing. Um, you need guys that can kind of elevate some of the younger guys. This is going to be, especially in the receiver room, mm -hmm. if we're anticipating this offseason to go the way that we're thinking that it will be, you're almost resetting the receiver room. You're going to need a veteran presence, whether that's Jarvis Landry or somebody that they can go acquire for the same amount of money. Right. Um you need a veteran presence in that room. Well, you just need a calming voice, right? I mean, more than anything that just can be the voice of reason. Um, because as you know, in a six, 17 game season, you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows and you got to mm -hmm. keep people, you know, going in the same direction. And he's kind of one of those guys that's invaluable. Like you said, they can pull that off. So. Yeah. You need to head in the right direction. You head on over to Lakewood, get you some Angelo's pizza for dinner. It is the best pizza in the land. They do it right. Make sure you head on over to Lakewood, grab that for lunch, dinner. Of course, it's even better the next day. Uh, just a little helpful tip there. So head have on over ever, to Lakewood, get you yourself over Angelo's pizza there. Oh yeah. When we were there uh, for the Pittsburgh game, I took some back to my hotel room, and then that <laughs> night, after several adult beverages, I needed something to eat. Well, you're saying, I had some Angelo's pizza there. I, I, yeah, I'd say there was a little bit of tipsiness going on uh, pregame that night, and I got to tell you, like I think we both looked at each other and go, um, "I feel like I'm drunk," and we're like, "Yeah, I'm drunk too." <laughs> so it yeah, was like yeah, that pizza. What happens. That, that pizza what helped uh, level it off, right? Because it's carbs, right? It kind of it, abs it absorbed. Yes. Yeah, it's good for that. So Angelo's Pizza, yeah. make sure you get your hands on that, especially if you're going to be drinking. It'll it'll help you <laughs> out there. Throw in a water while you're at it. All right, Dustin, let's take a look. Uh, last week, we didn't get the opportunity to briefly take a look at some of the receivers in this draft class. Now, mm -hmm. I want to talk about um, positions of need. I think we can agree that receiver is a very dire position of need. Uh, we need to address that through this draft, probably through free agency. It has to be addressed. We cannot roll out the way that it's currently constructed right. um, and, and have success that way. So I think that's one of them. Uh, another one being defensive line. I think you need help at defensive end uh, and defensive tackle. We're going to talk about that later in the program. Uh, but Dustin, what would you say are your top three, four or five ish um, areas of concern as we go into this offseason? Just by position or just for the yeah. team as a whole? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the wide receiver is a glaring one, right? With the um, with the exit of OBJ, right? Um, you lose a guy like that. Um, you don't know what Jarvis Landry's situation is going to be like, right? So to me, wide receiver has to be dealt with in free agency or through the draft at some point, right? Um, and then probably the defensive line, right? Like you said, defensive end, defensive tackle. Um, we need some depth there. You know, this is going to sound crazy, what I'm about to say, and I didn't even tell you this before the podcast. I think we need to draft a quarterback. And, oh, I agree. Yeah, and I definitely think we need a quarterback. And I, I'm going to say this on this podcast. I would not be shocked if the Cleveland Browns, with their first-round draft pick, pick a quarterback. And I know that sounds crazy. Stay tuned for a, a later episode of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. So just, all right, not to cut you off here, but the way that we're <laughs> going to address, the way that we're going to address this uh, positional breakdown is kind of in order of, of need. So mm -hmm. we started out with wide receiver. I think we can all agree that that's a pretty glaring mm -hmm. need. Same with defensive line. Uh, then we're going to go down probably next week, probably anticipate offensive line. I think that's another one um, that you need some assistance at quarterbacks probably next. I, I don't think we need to shy away from that. It's a real conversation that needs to be had. Um, I don't think that they'll take a quarterback with their first round pick, but that's a, that's a discussion we'll have another day, Dustin, but yeah. you could be onto something. Um, and of course that's in subjective order, right? That's just kind of the way that we're going to do mm -hmm. it. But uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. And I think a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned on here, hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not certain they'll take a receiver with the number 13 overall pick. And I gave you some heck on that, uh, <laughs> just the way you framed it. Oh, but really? I, no, look, oh, well, the way you said it initially, and you corrected I mean, yourself. I mean, was, just in the first round. Yes, you, the, the way you said it was, it sound like no I don't think the Browns will address right. receiver in the draft. So <laughs> I attacked you, naturally. <laughs> I attacked Fair. I did, but you know, just now, now I'm supporting you and what you said, you know, maybe they don't take a receiver at number 13 overall. If somebody, uh, if a defensive end, like an Aiden Hutchinson or a Kayvon Thibodeau or a David Ajabo were to fall to 13 overall, that oh, is yeah. not out of the question. A George Karloftis, that's not out of question. So we're going to get into that. Well, um, that's we a, are that's, just... a, that's a generational kind of guy. Correct. Right? Yeah. I think you have to trust uh, your big board. You have to go by uh, best player available. That's typically uh, what we have seen as the best drafting strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing we know is Andrew Barry, this front office, they're not stupid. We This, this Browns organization yeah. is in great hands. Yeah. Before we get into um, talking about some of the first round caliber receivers, Dustin, uh, one thing I do just want to bring up, if, if you aren't aware with this regime, something that they are pretty dead set on uh, is their their age guardrail. So the Browns have not drafted anybody 23 years old or older under this regime with Andrew Barry. So really? age is a large factor in the way that they draft. So they've only drafted four players that have been 22 and two of those have been beyond pick 150. So the way that they tend to draft is young, athletic, and high producing at, at large colleges. Like that's just the way that this regime has done their business. However, going into this draft, this draft class is a lot of those super seniors, COVID extensions, you know, uh, mm -hmm. COVID eligibility, extra year. So maybe emphasis on maybe 
if the Browns are going to draft somebody outside of the age guardrail, this would be the year for that, just given mm -hmm. the timeline of COVID. So keep that in your back pocket um, as you go through some of your mock drafts and you're looking through the analysis of this. They like to go young. So really anticipate them taking somebody 20, 21, maybe 22, but I doubt it. I, I think the younger, the better. Interesting. I did not yeah. know that. Hey, fun. well, I got a fun fact for you. Yeah. Totally off topic. I found this fascinating, by the way. Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl, right? He did not win. Yeah. The last 16 quarterbacks that have debuted in a Super Bowl and not won have never, ever been back to a Super Bowl. 16. Yeah. I found that to be fascinating to me. 16. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Garoppolo. Yeah. I'm, or wait, what? Say, say the stat again. So it is their debut, right? So that would have been Joe Burrow's debut. If they lose in their debut Super Bowl, they never, ever come back to a Super Bowl ever. Garoppolo, Goff. Um, yeah, I, I believe that. It's, it's stunning, isn't it? It's a staggering it's, statistic. It's yeah. 16 guys. Like, that's that that's, was that's, that's something. Yeah. All right, Dustin, let's get into it here. Um, let's kind of just go through some of these first-round projected receivers and take a look at who they are, what they bring to the table, and their play style. Who – I'll turn it over to you first. Um, you can kind of talk about whoever you want to talk about. Uh, but who is your preference in this draft class um, and why? Well, I, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I like Burks and his size. I believe he's 6'5 out of Arkansas. 6'3", um, 225. Oh, he's 6'3". Sorry, I was thinking of the guy uh, from USC, 6'5". Yeah, Drake London. Um, but again, he seems like a guy that would be available at number 13, right? Um, or if the Browns move up into the second or the bottom of the first round and maybe go and get another guy if they don't use that on their first round pick at 13. Um, I just see some of these other guys coming off the board maybe earlier. And the reason I say that is you have some teams at the top of the board that already have quarterbacks, so Trevor Lawrence, and some of these wide receivers may be gone, right? Like we may not even have a look at them, right? We won't even have. So I think he might be one that falls in at 13, um, mm -hmm. and could fall to the Browns. And it just, it might be, the, again, don't reach, right? If the guy's there and he's a quality guy, go after him. No, and I really, I, I think the the Browns have been very lucky in the fact that um, the past few years, I'd say under the Andrew Berry regime, the their strongest position of need uh, kind of correlates with the draft. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, they desperately needed a tackle. Well, that was a pretty tackle-friendly draft. Last year, we needed defensive help. Well, what do we do with our first two picks? We go defense. And this one, um, this is a very deep uh, receiver class uh, yep. with a lot of top-end talent. Um, and by the way, you've got some decent tackles in this draft, and you've got some defense, uh, defensive line help here. So I think this does correlate well with their needs. But taking a look at Traylon Burks, he's 6'3", 225 out of Arkansas. The issue with that is the quarterback play at Arkansas didn't quite uh, put – him in a position to be super successful. But, you know, you see a lot of A.J. Brown in this type of player. He's good height. Um, yep. he, he's a, a natural athlete, a natural ball catcher. He's got huge hands. So I think he's got like 5X hands. He's, he's he has massive. The big, he has the biggest hands in the NFL draft, am I correct? Yes, yeah. yeah. So he's kind of all over formation. They can do a lot with him. He's a very smooth, natural athlete. Um, his negatives, according to Bleacher Report on his uh, scouting report, is um, – 
it's an effort concern uh, when blocking, but I think that can be taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, lacks attention to detail. Again, you put him in a, a highly detailed oriented type of regime. I think he'll, he'll succeed um, and needs to continue to refine route running. So a lot of raw talent here. Um, they have him as his player comp is Vincent Jackson. So they have him as their wide receiver five mm-hmm. overall uh, ranked 20. He's not my number one, um, but I think I would be very pleased with this pick. I think he's a good yeah. player uh, that can be great. I just don't think he's the most refined as we go into right. this draft. So I'm going to turn it over. Um, I, I'll start the next one here. I'm going to go Garrett Wilson. He's my my number one. Uh, he's six foot, 192. He's a great natural athlete um, with impeccable route running. I mean, film-worthy training session type of route yeah. running. Um, he's got very good burst. He's got long speed. Um, he's consistently able to create yards after the catch. So something to know about him is he's a freak athlete. He can go up and make those big-time plays, contested catches, uh, but he can also generate a ton of explosion after the catch. Make guys miss um, the negatives, according to Bleacher Report on him. Can play a bit out of control. I'm going to disagree with that. I mean, I'm a I'm a diehard Buckeye fan. Right. I didn't quite see that. He's he's Pretty one of the best play. I've seen. He's yeah. one of the best receivers I've seen. Um, him and Olave coming out of Ohio State and what I can remember. So uh, I, I think he's a can't miss type of prospect. They have him uh, pro comparison as a Nicole Hardman. Don't quite see that. I don't know. I, I look. I like Garrett Wilson, and I'm not. I'm trying to take off my scarlet and gray glasses here, but I, I do believe that he's going to be uh, a day one contributor. Where do they have him projected to go? Uh, top fifteen. The top 15? Okay. Yeah. I, I think even before that, he's probably going to be in. Top 10? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. All right. I'll turn it over to you. Who, who do you want to talk about next? Well, you know, um, you know, one that kind of, you know, this is one, and I, I kind of want your opinion. How far, you know, based, how far do you think Williams will fall from Alabama? I, I think he could fall. Um, we don't know. One, you don't know the extent of the injury, and you don't right. know what his recovery time is. Now, as we look at like the way that technologies come about and yeah. how fast you can, you know, and recover from being, being very young, right? Yeah, he's got a lot in his in his favor. Um, I, I do think he is going to fall, though. I just don't anticipate him being a number thirteen overall candidate because the Browns right. need a day one starter. They they right. can't take a risk on if they had a Miles Garrett at wide receiver, somebody that was just number one overall, don't even have to really worry too much about the position. Sure, you take a flyer on a guy like that who's going to be good down the stretch, but they need immediate help. I just don't see him there at 13. I would say late first, he could even fall into the second. Yeah. The other one that I think if it could fall is Drake out of USC, just huge guy, 6'5". I just think he could be one of those guys that can just go up and get the ball, right? Yeah. And kind of be a mismatch with defenders. Um, I mean, I get to see a lot of that football out here, and it just seems like he would just go up and get stuff just out of nowhere, like just big, not as big as hands as obviously Burks, but I mean, but would be able to go up there and separate himself. Um, mm-hmm. Do they have him in kind of that top fifteen? I'm assuming. Yeah, he's well. he's going to probably compete at being the first receiver taken. Right. Um, he's 6'5", 210, uh, great size, great length, 
Uh, he didn't play a ton at USC, kind of an, uh, an injury situation, but something to know about him is he also played basketball. So he's great at the contested catches. Um, he's hyper-athletic. He's got great body control. Um, he's a pretty decent route runner. Uh, so I do think that they would need to work on refining those skills a little bit, but he's got good hands. Mm -hmm. uh, I really think that he could be the number one receiver taken off the board if it's not Garrett Wilson. Um, they have him. Let me take a look here. They have him as wide receiver one. Okay. Um, and his pro comparison is a Mike Evans. So mm, I could see not that. Too not too bad. Yeah. Um, I will uh, talk a little bit about Chris Olave. Uh, coming into this season, I thought Chris Olave was the home run hit to be the number one receiver taken off the board. Uh, he's since fallen. Um, people are kind of sleeping on Chris Olave right now. Not sure why, <laughs> to be totally honest with you. He's 6'1", uh, 188. Um, he is the smoothest I have say, receiver he's very... I have ever seen. When we were watching that Penn State game in Cleveland, I was just yeah. – I mean, he's smooth. Like, he's his, his transition up the field is very – like it's almost like art watching him run up the field. So yes, yeah, very very smooth. Now he doesn't have the explosiveness as right. somebody is Garrett Wilson, um, but very good route runner. Has good body control. Um, he displays an advanced route tree according to Bleacher Report. Um, you know he's he's a guy. He's very reliable. Good hands. He's just a go-to guy. And I'm not entirely sure why he's being slept on right now, Dustin. I think that uh, he would fall. And if the Browns were to take any of these guys that we've just mentioned at number 13 overall, um, I would be very, very pleased with that. Do you think Wilson's taking some of that limelight away from Olave? You know, just you think at all? Maybe. No, I actually think I think uh, if if you didn't have somebody like a Drake London um, in this draft class or even a Traylon Burks, it would be Olave Wilson. Uh, but I think yeah. sprinkling in some really high end talent, it's pushing somebody. Um, who's not quite as explosive kind of down the board, but he's he's going to yeah. go to a good team and he's going to be a right. great player in the NFL. He's got very uh, good transferable skills. I think he's going to be awesome. Now, out of those guys, Dustin, um, how would you kind of rank according to your preference? Um, and how do you think those guys would fit this scheme? Well, I think Drake, out of all these guys, I like just because of his sheer size. Uh, when I think about our division foes, right, who we go up against yeah. week in and week out, the Baltimores, just just that sheer size of where he can be a mismatch. And I see that happen like with what the Chiefs do and the Ravens do. They kind of create some of those mismatches, mismatches downfield. So for me, it would be Drake out of USC would be – kind of someone that I think could fit and and actually be successful. Okay. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I I have him him and, and Garrett Wilson are kind of my 1A, 1B choices. From then, uh, I would probably go with a trail on Burks, Chris Olave. Uh, and then that starts to open up the conversation for some of these other guys. Should the Browns trade down or maybe have a selection there in the second round if they were to go sure. receiver. Um, Sky Moore is one of those one of those guys out of Western Michigan that you want to make sure that you're familiar with. He's 5'10", 195. Man, this this kid's an athlete. Um, he is he is going to be really good. His 40 time is 4'3". He's really, really fast. He's really quick. He's got incredible top speed. Um, he's got a great burst. Um, you know, I, I think that he's kind of – 
He's sliding too. You know, I think he, people are sleeping on somebody like this. Um, he's got good strength, great route runner, man. I could really talk myself into a sky more um, if they don't go, if they don't go receiver at 13 uh, and if he would be available later on, I, I could really talk myself into him. Speaking of kind of, if we don't let 13 go after it, what do you think about Robinson out of Kentucky? What, uh, at, at receiver? Yeah, I believe that was one guy I was looking at. You know what? I'm not, I don't even think that I've watched too much of him. Um, okay. I, look, I don't think, I don't think that they would take, uh, uh, they would use a high draft pick on somebody like that. Like if he's available in the third round, sure. Um, okay. Same with like a, a Wandale Robinson. Um, but if we're taking a look at some of those just maybe, later round one type of guys uh, I think that you could take a look at a sky more uh, a Jahan Dotson out of Penn State uh, your guy Khalil Khalil Shakir there in Boise State Dustin could you tell us a little bit about what he brings to the table because I think some of those guys could certainly be uh, in the mix there if they if they were to trade down or if they're available maybe in later rounds but um, yeah, I he, as I say he is just high, as a, he's just high production right like anything thrown in his direction he catches he makes one-handed catches, and he just he separates, and he has some of that speed, right? Um, to your point, that was going to be my next question. I can actually see the Browns drafting multiple wide receivers in this draft yes. to get some depth as well. Maybe they, you know, maybe they don't draft at thirteen, but they move up into the second round and get a wide receiver, and then get another one in the fourth, right? Because yep. now, but people don't realize we have two third-round draft picks now because of the. Uh, the GM, you know, the assistant GM going to Minnesota. So now Cleveland has a little uh, draft capital, right, that they can mm -hmm. kind of play around with. And Andrew Barry's very shrewd with his draft capital, and he knows how to manipulate that a little bit. So you could see, I could even see, okay, how about we want to move up into the bottom of the first round. We'll give you our third round pick because we see a receiver that's fallen, right? Because we sound, like you said, there was a once in a generational defensive player that just happened to fall to 13. And we're like, okay, we can't pass this guy up. Right. He's in our big board. Right. And then you kind of start playing a little bit of a chess match. So yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. I, Hey, I think that there's, this is a pretty deep receiver class. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with a lot of these guys that were mentioned um, and keep, keep an eye out for some of these guys in later rounds. There's a lot of talent here. Um, Deep you know, I think, deep I think that yeah. you will see multiple receiver picks um, and address in free agency as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we turn it over, we just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Orlando Baking Company. Make sure you head on over to your local Northeast Ohio grocery store. Get your hands on the iconic Orlando Baking Company bread. It is the best. And by the way, by the way. Uh, they are hiring. Um, you can check out their Instagram or at Orlando Baking. They got career opportunities um, and they've got great benefits. So make sure you check them out. Orlando Baking Company. Um, man, we don't have that down here in South Carolina, but at <laughs> home we always get it so good. So make sure you have your hands on that this season. All right, Dustin, um, we're at 830 now. And um, I did throw on here to do a little factor fiction to kind of yep. break up the monotony. Dustin, in the event that we do have to go over, do you have a hard stop at nine or can we bleed over a little bit? Uh, All right. Yeah, you're good. All right. Well, let's let's do a, a little bit of factor fiction before we dive into the defensive uh, room just to save our voices and boost a little energy here. So, Dustin, let's play a little factor fiction. Okay. Turn it over to you first. 
Okay, so I thought about this, and this is a good one. Will the league in the offseason at the meetings change the overtime rule? Fact or fiction? I hope they do, but I think it's fiction. I don't think they do. I think it's fact because, and this is my, my argument on this, the NFL is all about adapting to excitement, more viewers, more of that. And they took a lot of flack after some of those playoff games. Like we didn't get to see Josh Allen's best, you know, all those things. Right. I think they will address it at the meetings. I think that it will be addressed. Um, it may not be like Kansas city playoff, like college, but I think <laughs> they'll address it to where the teams have a lot more um, equalness in overtime, because I just, it's just a shame. It sucks. It sucks. It's a terrible, terrible yeah. rule. Um, yeah. They need to change it. I just, the reason I say fiction is I, I think the league is so stubborn right now. I don't know that they would just because everybody's right. wanting them to. Yeah. Um, they'll pull it out of their, their hat, you know, and be the hero in a couple of years when it's not relevant. So I don't know. That's just the look. I, I hope they do. All right, Dustin, fact or fiction? More teams will follow in the path of the Rams in Ooh, terms of cool. roster building than taking the Bengals approach in targeting mid-tier free agents and loading up on the defensive side of the ball. This is a tough one because um, the, the comment was made, the NFL is a copycat league. Well, if yeah. the Rams can do it, we can do it, right? Well, the Browns are kind of like that right now. We're kind of in that win-all mentality right now based on our roster. Um, I'm going to say fiction and I'll tell you why, because at the end of the day, the great teams, I, how I feel don't do it that way. Right. The, the Patriots build through the draft, right. They build their roster and then they stay at a consistency over time. They don't go all in most of the time. Right. The Steelers, as much as we hate them, you know, build through the draft, the Ravens, right. These teams that are successful consistently, the Chiefs, right? They don't go put a win-it-all kind of team together. So I'm going to go fiction on that because the majority of the league builds a roster. And here's the truth because of the way these guys are being paid now. You really need to go find a great quarterback. Like this is the model if I'm a GM. Go find a great quarterback, have him on a rookie contract for four to five years, build everything around him if he's a great football quarterback. Because that's your run and your path of the Super Bowl. Because once he gets to that fifth year, you got to pay him. And now you can't have all those other guys around him because he can't spread the wealth around with the money. So No, I agree. And I think, too, the Rams had a lot going in their favor of it being a attractive free agent destination. They have a new stadium. Uh, they have a fun young coach that they want to go play for, go play yeah. in L.A. You know, Buffalo can't do that. Buffalo can't say, come play in Buffalo. You know, no, <laughs> nobody wants to be there. But I do think that some of these other teams that, let's just say, Tampa Bay, Dallas, that are just naturally free agent destinations, they could go more all in on that approach. But I think yep. – I just don't think that that's a sustainable type of thing in terms of building a culture, first and foremost, right. in a dynasty. I, just think there's a, I think there's only a handful of teams that can do that kind of yeah. thing anyway. I think it's just too specific. All right. Good. All right. So fact or fiction. Will um, – what was my question? So it was in regards to the overtime rules, the playoffs. Um, will the league put in place a permanent 
thing to fix the hiring of minorities. By the way, this is Black History Month. Uh, just a shout out to that as well. Do you think the NFL will finally address this issue that's kind of been a, uh, you know, kind of sore, mm-hmm. you know, with and and you know we obviously saw Flores was uh, hired by the Steelers as we know uh, recently. Of all places, the youth of all places, right? I, I don't think that was. By the way, I don't think that was. Anyways, I mean they definitely wanted him there, and it was a pretty good move on their part. But do you think the league will finally fix this? Because as you know, a lot of these people think teams go through the motions. They bring a person in because they have to. Do you think they'll finally address it? And instead of just putting a rule in place, actually start hiring more minority coaches in the league and just fix it by, you know, like uh, Eric the Enemy, right? Guys like that that should be probably a head coach somewhere. So, Well, I don't quite think that's a, a factor fiction question, so I can't really stamp that on it. Right. But just to, to answer the question, um, they should. Right. I think that's the obvious what I want to have an answer. Do I think do I think that that's going to happen right away? No, I I don't. I don't think that um, the NFL, the NFL. And the reason I say that is the NFL is stubborn. Um, We know that Roger Goodell is very stubborn in the way that they approach things and the the way that they approach the way that they do business. Um, And and I don't think that they will change something like the overtime rule or something like this right away, just because all eyes are on them in that moment. Uh, But I do think that this is something that could change in the next two to three years. Uh, And it certainly should. I mean, this is something that they should address head on right away. But uh, I do think that this whole Brian Flores situation brings this to light um, and it, you know, really shines a light on, on this issue. So uh, I, I think that they need to get out of the habit of going through the motions, but I do think that they will put something in place to prevent that. I just don't think this is going to be a right away situation um, because there's so many, so many moving pieces and parts sure. to it right now. All right. Last but not least, Dustin, Fact or fiction, more than three quarterbacks go in the top 15 of this year's NFL draft. Fiction. And the only reason I say that is because there's a lot of teams that sucked this last year and still suck, and they went and got their quarterbacks. (laughs) So, uh, like the Jaguars, right? So I think you'll have two possibly go in the top 15, but I don't think you'll have three. So I'm going to go fiction on that. Yeah, I agree with that. Who, Who would you anticipate are the two to go? Pickett and is it what's the quarterback from Cincinnati? Uh, Red uh, Desmond Ritter. I think he's rising up the boards, and I think he might be a surprise pick and get up there. Oh, I don't know. I I think yeah. Matt Corral's there, but he got the injury. I think Malik Willis would be the one to go uh, out of Liberty. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It could happen though. Yeah, but those three kind of are the. And then I got my last facts or yeah. Let's hear it. Will the NFL abolish? The Pro Bowl for all good sake. <laughs> no, no, it's not happening. Yes, they have to. They gotta have they like an should. award. Look, do everything that you asked me. My answer is yeah, they should. They should. They're not going to. It's just that's not something that's gonna happen right away. It was not watchable, Allie. It was no, it's not. not. But ne- neither is NBA All Star. I mean, I don't well, watch I, that I, contest. It was brutal. I, but again, but that was fun. It was much more entertaining to watch than the Pro yeah. Bowl, at least. Yeah, Pro Bowl is like, horrible. They should do something yeah. else in place of it, but it's bad. It's they bad. The, they should have the worst team in the NFL play a CFL team, and whoever wins has to go to the <laughs> CFL that, or, or something like that. I mean, I don't uh. know, it's, it's terrible. 
Yeah, but you know what? Before we get into our defensive line breakdown, hey, we started out with Orlando Baking Company, and that is the foundation for your all-Cleveland sandwich. Then you throw on a hot dog, a hamburger, some hot sausage, whatever you want from Five Star Meats, because there ain't no wiener like a Five Star Wiener. Um, Of course, you top that off with some Cleveland ketchup with some sadium mustard. You've got the iconic brands, the iconic flavors. They've got a variety of flavors for Cleveland ketchup. Make sure you have your hands on that this off season um, and make sure you do it right with that all Cleveland sandwich. All right, Dustin, let's get into uh, the defensive breakdown here. Now, like the receivers, um, there's not a lot back in this room we're just going i'm not going to talk practice squad guys i'm just going to talk uh, about who's under contract um but i am going to start with Jadavion Clowney. i know he's he's not necessarily an under contract guy uh, but i do just want to bring him up um he had a career year 20 solo tackles um 13 assisted in nine total sacks so with his injuries piling up i think it is a little bit less promising that you're going to see him go out and get a max type of contract um, but we talk about some of those teams going all in Dustin, like, like the Rams did. Um, and you could see if, if somebody like that is just a defensive yeah. end away to make a two for 30 type of deal with a Jadavion Clowney. And I think he takes that, right? So I think that you could see something very similar to like a Jarvis Landry situation that if it works out, of course we want him back. I think that's, we would love yeah. to have Jadavion Clowney back just for the for the value and what he put out there. But if you were to see him walk, I, I don't think you can blame him. Uh, in my opinion, Dustin, he was a perfect complement to Miles. Uh, the playing style, he had a great season. Um, I think he's worth some some more money, and I think that you know that's certainly very important to him. He made that very well known. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of the motivating factor. Uh, I do fully anticipate Jadavion to test the market, but I'm not sure that big time contract. Uh, exists for him just taking into consideration the injury concern um, the age uh, style of play Uh, but I do think that it is possible that he could run it back with the Browns um, based off of production alongside Miles Garrett but you know Dustin I just want to I want to talk about him real quick and and kind of uh, your take on whether or not he'll be back as a Cleveland Brown but uh, I don't think it's any any question that we'd welcome him back with open arms. I think coming into this, when we signed him, a lot of people were skeptical saying he's washed. This is a, this is worthless. Um, he bringing just, him on, yeah. he had a career year and a lot of that, thanks to miles Garrett uh, on the opposite side, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Dustin, how you think this is going to play out. Well, it's interesting. Everybody was what, 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 right before the yep. season started. And we were like, well, clowny, you know, it's, it's a safe bet. He can prove it, right? It's a it's a very um, friendly one year deal, right? I think you should bring him back, and maybe you incentivize him a little, give him a couple extra million a year, bring him on a two year for twenty four million. I think that's more. You know, maybe he takes a little bit of a hometown discount. To your point, he can get fifteen million maybe somewhere else. Um, I know Miles Garrett has been um, advocating for him to come back, so for obvious reasons. But yeah, I think he should come back. And again, if you have those two guys at your at your anchor on your defensive line, you I mean, I mean just look how the defense played last year, Allie. If our offense came to the same level that our defense did at the end of the year, we would be a playoff team. Like I mean, we that defense really came together the last week 9 through 17 and just really started playing lights out and kept us in a lot of football games, right? For the most part. So Yes, 
I would wholeheartedly like him back um, if, mm-hmm. the, if the price is right and he's willing to maybe take a little bit of a discount, but give him incentivize and pay him more than he got last year. So. Yeah. And, and like I said, with Jarvis Landry and, and anybody for that matter, I just don't think that Andrew Barry is going to go out and harm this organization long term, like we have seen previous regimes do in overpaying in somebody that um, is an average producer. Now, I do think that Jadavion Clowney has gone above and beyond and really what we expected his role to be with the Cleveland Browns, Dustin, I, I do. I think he was worth every penny in bringing him here, and I would love to see him run it back. Just the perfect complement with Miles' play style and how he uh, his, his first – motion is to get after the quarterback right. and then with Jadavion it's more to stop the run so it, it is a perfect compliment there he had a nine sack season here in Cleveland um you know I I don't think he'll take a hometown discount but I think that he may test the market realize that that big contract isn't quite there um and be willing to come back here and have another successful season to then go on and maybe have that contract but you know I think that would be number one and I think if you take a look Dustin at the free agent market there's nobody out there right now that I think could come in here for less money than what you would owe Jadavion Clowney and produce more. I just don't see that. And taking a look at some of these guys um, right now on that free agency list, you have like a guy like Akeem Hicks, um, BJ Hill out of Cincinnati, Fadakasi. You've got some, some guys here, Malik Collins, um, and of course, some of these are defensive tackles, but just taking a, a look at that, a Jason Pierre Paul, Jerry mm-hmm. Hughes, you know, you've you've got some guys. And one that I will throw out at you that's very interesting is Emmanuel Ogba, um, that you could probably get similar production, maybe a little bit cheaper and bring him back to Cleveland, Dustin. Would somebody like that interest you if you're unable to bring uh, a Jadavion Clowney back? Well, sure. He's familiar with the team, right? So it, right. it's not like it's. Uh... Um, did I also see Sheldon Richardson's a free agent as well out of Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, you, you got to wonder what Tampa Bay is going to do with Sue, right? Um, I think he's up for free agency as well. That's correct. Yeah. Um, Butler from Buffalo. Uh, he's an intriguing one, you know, but yeah. I, I would assume they would want him back and they'll try to work some kind of deal with him because I see them as kind of not all in, but definitely wanting to shore that team up a little bit and make another run for the next couple of years. So, well, I, I do believe that there, are, there is some decent defensive tackle depth in the free agent market. Um, if, if you take a look at defensive events, it's not that attractive. Of course, right. Jadavion Clowney is there. Emmanuel Ogba, uh, you could convince me on both of those guys. Another one is Dante Fowler Jr., who could have a resurgence, kind of like a Tack McKinley here in Cleveland, um, right. but would probably be very expensive. Um, but then another guy, Tack McKinley, coming off of that Achilles hinj- injury. Um, if you can get him back midseason along with – yeah. A clowny or an Ogba. Yeah, you could sign me up for that yeah. every day of the week. Um, but some of the other guys in the defensive end room, as it's currently constructed, uh, Porter Gustin, great friend of the program, uh, Ifedi Odenabo, and Curtis Weaver. Now, we love all those guys, but I, I don't think it's crazy to say that we don't anticipate them to be um, the second on the depth chart um, in terms of the defensive end room. We just we just don't. That's not their role. Uh, Porter Gustin, he had a, a you know, a, a decent year in the snaps that he saw. He always makes the most of his uh, opportunities. <laughs> but, but some of these guys, 
Odenabo and Gustin actually are the only two. Uh, Curtis Weaver is the only one actually under contract. Uh, they're either restricted free agents or exclusive rights free agents. So, right. um, you know, if Cleveland does want them back, they will be. Uh, but that's more of a depth conversation. So I think in terms of the defensive ends, we'll talk about tackles here in a moment. You can definitely address that in the draft. So there's, again, a lot of top-heavy type of players uh, in, in this year's draft class. Um, but Dustin, I, I think, um, you can get a lot of value in later rounds. So something yeah. to throw out at you real quick, according to PFF, 21 of the highest graded defensive tackles last year, um, 16 of the, those 21 were either first or second round picks. So really, yeah. So in terms of positional value, I could be convinced to take a defensive end every <laughs> almost every draft and take them high. Right. I think that it's so important to be able to create pressure and get after the quarterback to allow your secondary to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it, this is proven that a lot of these guys, you can identify talent quickly. Um, production's there. It's transferable. It's translatable from college to the NFL. They have a lot of success fast. So it's, it's worth taking some of these, these high value guys in the first and second round. So right. I think taking a look at second round, Dustin, there's, there's some names there. Somebody like a, a Jermaine Johnson. Now he is projected to go in the first round, um, possibly second round. But if somebody like that were to fall, my goodness, if he's there right. or a David Ajabo, maybe even at 13 overall, David Ajabo, he's 6'5", 250 out of Michigan. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's great speed around the edge. He's he's just a, a great athlete, good length. Um, he doesn't have a ton of punch in his hands, but I think that's something that you could you could teach. Um, he's not a great bull rusher, but if he's somebody that can absorb the run and, and play somewhat of that Jadavion Clowney role, if he's not back, I think that's something that you could absolutely interest the Cleveland Browns in. Yeah. His uh, pro comp is Brian Burns. Somebody like that, a Jermaine Johnson. Here's a guy that I love is George Karloff just out of Purdue. I was going to say, he's I on love my this guy. I yeah. love I you could convince me to take him at 13, even if some of these receivers are on the board. He's 6'4, 275, explosive first step. Yeah. Um, he's got a lot of pop, he's got a lot of explosion. He's very active in his hand movement. Uh, reminds me a lot of some of the Bosa or of the Bosa brothers, um, yeah. and just in the way that he plays. He's got a great change of speed, change of direction. Um, he's very nimble for a player of his size. And his so pro comp his first step is quick. Like his very yeah. Very. Um, he is projected to go in the first round. His pro comp is Ryan Kerrigan. So I do think, Dustin, that there is some there's some value here. Uh, you could definitely talk me into taking an edge uh, at 13 overall. But if you if not, uh, there's definitely some value here in the second round. But I'm going to turn it over to you to your thoughts there in that defensive end room and how they approach it this offseason. You know, I don't I don't think they address it at that 13th pick. To your yeah. point, there's a lot of depth. Um, if there is a guy that they like, I could see them moving up into the to the bottom of the first round or in the second round, right? If there's somebody they see because now they have that extra third round pick and they go after someone. But I don't see them doing that with the 13th pick um, mm -hmm. in this draft, at least. I don't see that happening. So Unless somebody is there that you can't pass on. And Aiden it Hutchinson is, or Kayvon like Thibodeau, a generational yeah. pass rusher is if there. If those guys are there, you're – you should take your GM card away if you don't pick them because <laughs> I mean, well, think about it at that point, you put someone like that with miles Garrett. Well, you could have 
your your line can be set for years, right? At, at both ends, because you've got Garrett under contract. He's going to be on a rookie contract. You're set for a long time, right? For a long time, yeah. Yeah, so you're right. If that guy falls, you go after him. So. One thing that Doug LaMaurice brought up on um, on his podcast on uh, the Orange and Brown talk that I thought was a phenomenal point is um, – a lot of these, a lot of these teams, like let's just say Cincinnati, they spent a lot of money on Trey Hendrickson. Um, you know, Carl Lawson in in um, New York, they spent a ton right. of money to go out and get some of these free agent pass rushers. Cleveland didn't take that approach because they also have Miles Garrett. These guys that are getting right. those big time contracts are going to be the number one pass rusher on that line. Think right. of how many teams have multiple generational pass rushers. There's not a lot. No. Not a lot. The only one that I can think of is the Rams right now. Yep. Um, but both of those guys are getting up there in age. Right. Um, but I just thought that was such a good and interesting point is how many teams in the league actually have more than one Miles Garrett type of players? There's not, there's just not, not. that's not well, what that is. And the reason it is because those guys demand such money, right? You usually have one guy, right, that can really do that. And you have a guy that can somewhat compliment him. It's hard to get two guys like that and be mm-hmm. able to pay him too. I think that the 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 salary those guys demand, I think, is more um, is is a big part of that because it's hard to pay two guys that kind of salary, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little bit here about defensive tackles as we wrap up. Um, I think defensive tackle is even more thin than the receiver position, and even more thin than your. Uh, defensive end uh, position. It's it's a huge area of concern. Of course, with the departure of um, Malik McDowell, um, he's more than likely gone. He's more than likely not ever going to play another snap in the National Football League. So not going to spend too much time there. Uh, Malik Jackson, that veteran presence. Uh, he's also a free agent. Uh, he was that coach on the field type of player. Yeah. And I think that's really what he was brought here to be as a scrappy player that can also lead these guys and get some of these younger guys uh, ready to rock and roll. Uh, we did kind of see him uh, fizzle out towards the end of the season. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I anticipate him coming back. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I, I think... I don't know. I, I just if he if he comes back, you've got to obviously it's a significant um, pay cut probably. A um, couple other guys, uh, Tommy Togiai, he's limited in snaps this season. He was a rookie. Uh, not going to spend a ton of time here. I think he does take a pretty large step next year. Uh, but Jordan Elliott, you know, he really hasn't panned out quite the way I think that we all thought that he would. Um, out of the draft, Dustin, I remember a lot of people had him as a day one type of guy. The Browns get him in the third round. Um, and at the time, there was kind of a crowded room there in the defensive tackle room. Yep. And then once it was not crowded, he didn't <laughs> quite step up in the way that we thought he would. Uh, so he had 23 total uh, tackles and half of a sack on the season. Um, Sheldon Day is another guy that could potentially be back. He's going to be 28. Um, I think as a depth player, he could come back. But, you know, mm-hmm. Dustin, how do you anticipate that the Browns go about this? Do you think that they target more in the draft here? Is this a free agent market that would interest you? Um, where do you, you know, rank this glaring need? I think this is where they address this more in the draft okay. instead of free agency. Um, that's the Andrew Barry kind of way. Um, I got a couple guys here. Um, Nixon out of Iowa. Okay. Uh, a really good guy that I have here. And then there's a couple guys out of Clemson, Murphy and uh, 
Bresky, I think is the two guys out of Clemson. They looked really good. I was watching some stuff on them. But I think we, again, this could be one of those where the Browns draft multiple players of the same position, right? I think you could go later in the round here, sixth, seventh round, maybe get a guy in the fourth round, right? Um, I think they're going to totally address this in the draft. I think this is where they're going to try to find some of that depth um, that we definitely desperately need on the defensive line. So just to throw out a couple of free agent names for you, Akeem Hicks, DJ Jones, BJ Hill, Calais Campbell. Yeah. You could definitely interest me in that, even though he is getting up there. Uh, Fadakasi, uh, Solomon Thomas could be interesting or even Sheldon Richardson, if he'd be interested in coming back it. here. Um, and Dominican Sue, Larry Ogan, Joby. I mean, there's some guys out there, Harrison Phillips. Uh, how about, but how I, about, how about this name for you? Collins out of Houston. Yeah, um, yeah. They're kind of like a, you know, like a fire cell, right? He could be brought in mm-hmm. on a friendly deal with the Browns. I, that seems like a Barry kind of signing, right? Guy that's in a bad situation, wants to get away from the team, wants a new opportunity. So, you know, I think that defensive tackle is that they're going to address it head on in the draft. Um, I, if, if the draft pans out the way that I think it will, I think they'll go receiver 13 overall, assuming there's no trades or anything, 13 right. overall. And then I would anticipate them to probably go defensive tackle with their second round pick. A couple of guys I'll throw out at you. Uh, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. He's not going to be there when the Browns are going to pick. Right. He's the number one guy. He's, you know, he's super dominant. Um, but behind him at Georgia, Jordan Davis. Um, kind of a one-trick pony, but he's really good. He's 6'6", 360. I mean, That's he's going to be great, great in the run game. Certainly somebody that you would like to have. Um, just a, a huge human being. His pro <laughs> comp uh, is John Henderson. I think uh, we'd all be pretty interested in that. Two other names I'm going to throw out at you here that would certainly probably be available um, and would certainly interest me. Travis Jones out of UConn and Logan mm-hmm. Hall, who I absolutely love um travis jones out of uconn he is 6'4 326 um he's got a powerful kind of first punch he's good length um can take on those double teams uh his pro comp let me see here john jenkins uh but logan hall i absolutely love him out of houston 6'5 278 he's kind of a nimble guy light on his feet um drives his power really through his legs hips um, he's kind of a bully on that defensive line. Right. An above average sense for like shedding blocks and absorbing the run. Um, he's got a ton of flexibility. So I really like him. Um, and his pro comp, according to them, is Eric Armstead. So oh. some names here, I think that you'll probably see them take a shot at somebody in free agency. Um, and probably not a flashy name. You're not going to go out and get a, a top tier guy, but maybe somebody like uh, Solomon Thomas is out there or somebody, you know, like a, if, if we could get a Clayus Campbell or somebody like that, I would be all in on something like that and then heavily address it here in the draft. I wouldn't be shocked, Dustin, if they draft two receivers and two tackles. I yeah, that's what I was saying. I think that. they could be easily do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could also see them, and this was discussed on some other things I've been watching, how important special teams are and getting a kicker and actually drafting a kicker and how important that might be in the later rounds, like a surefire kicker that, you know, and we learned that from Cincinnati this year, man, Yeah, they, they got it right. There. They got it right. And that guy was like, he was ice in the veins, man, in the playoffs. So what, at what point in the draft would you be comfortable taking a kicker? 
sixth round. Okay. And, and the reason I say sixth round is because by the seventh, somebody's already figured you out, right? They, they're already looking at kickers, and you probably someone might uh, scoop you and, and, get, and get your guy. Um, and you can still address in the seventh round areas of need other than kicking, right? Some more depth, maybe another wide receiver, um, someone like that, or another tackle, right? Something where you can add some depth. But I go and get like the best kicker. If you know that he's like the guy, yeah, go get him. Go, go get him because guess what? If he's that good, he's going to be on your team for 10 years, right? And you're going to look back and say, yeah, we're pretty damn happy we took that guy in the sixth round because I can tell you what, every time I watch the Browns, I miss Phil Dawson all day long because that guy just, when you when he went out there, you're like, yeah, it's 50 plus. He's got this. It's it's a it's a blizzard and he's going to kick it through and he's going to make a field goal, right? Like you didn't even think about it. Now, I don't know if you do this on Sundays. I'm like, no. Okay, did it go through? Oh, okay, okay. I can't even watch it. <laughs> um, you know, I think I would be comfortable. Evan McPherson, the Cincinnati kicker, went in the fifth round last year. Um, I, I think that that is probably an appropriate time. Um, that would be the earliest that I would take a kicker or right. a, a punter even. Um, I'd probably wait on punter even a little bit later. But uh, definitely kicker, if he's there, you go get him. Uh, now, the data from years past hasn't produced a ton of, of – high value uh, in terms of drafting a kicker. Um, You know, they've had better luck going the free agent route, but you know what? If the guy's there, go get him. We saw what Cincinnati did, got him to the Super Bowl. I think their rookie class was a key contributor in why they went so far in the playoffs, Um, following their footsteps, and and we'll see how it goes. Well, Ali, you know what you could do? You could be real simple. Cleveland's got a simple plan here. The best kicker in college football is named after Lou Groza. Whoever wins the Lou Groza Award – Go get him, right? Right? He's the best kicker, right? And he's named after the, the greatest kicker of all time. I, li- I like Dicker the kicker. Go get go get Cameron Dicker the kicker <laughs> out of Texas. I I loved him. I think he's he's really good. Um, you know who you know who likes him? Eric Metcalf. Eric basically. Metcalf likes him. He's he's my I, I I'd be thrilled with that. But yeah. we shall see. All right, Dustin. Any closing thoughts as we wrap up on a beautiful Wednesday evening? Uh no, just uh you got the NFL Combine next week. Uh, is going to be happening. That's coming just right around the corner. We'll probably get into a little bit of that, not okay. next week, but the following week after we see where these guys have elevated their game, right, from being at the Combine. Um, and free agency is just a little over two weeks away for free agency period. So what seemed like an offseason is quickly turning into draft and free agency is right here upon us. It's right upon us. Um, also, we just want to encourage you guys to check out our friend Katie Klanowski out of Berkshire Hathaway. If you're buying or selling a home and you need somebody that can help you through that process, that person for you is Katie Klanowski. She's the best real estate agent in Northeast Ohio, in the land. Make sure you give her a call for all of your home buying and selling needs. Dustin, this is great. Um, we will be back at you next week. We can't wait. Uh, we've got more content coming your way, so be sure to stick around, stay tuned, and make sure that you're following us. But other than that, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, Browns fans, go, go Browns. Browns. <laughs>